Now then, I shall need multi-copies of that recording, unlimited computer time, and somewhere to work. Mr. I shall need your help. How did you know that sound was going to be repeated? By exercising my intelligence. Uh, since we didn't reply, the message would obviously be repeated. Now, we've got to break down that code and answer them. Answer who? The man's a fool. How can I possibly tell who the message is from until I know what it says? Let me explain this to you in very simple terms. Uh, he is trying to help you, though. You might find him quite useful. Might find me useful? Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. Talking about Doctor Who. Classic episode, The Ambassadors of Death with John Pertwee. My name is Ken. Jeff. Scott. Julia. Ambassadors of Death. Right? Came out in 1970. David Whitaker. Seven parts. Seven parts too long. <laughs> so long. It drags so much. I watched the first, and I'll fully admit, didn't watch the whole thing. You know what? I'll, oh, sorry. Um, but it was... It just dragged, and there was a lot of time where nobody was talking. It was people looking at papers, and people looking at screens, and nobody doing anything. And what slowed it down, I think, was, like, was it Dudley Simpson who did the music? That whenever the... the uh, Ambassadors? Whenever the ambassadors were, you know, getting out of the van or oh, walking, they, they'd walk really slow. And they had that music, funky music. The music slowed it down, makes you want to go to sleep. But the story also had that peppy unit music, too. Oh, right, right. And then it would switch to that, and, um, I mean, the guy that did the music... Dudley Simpson. He did the music for, like, The Underwater Menace, Fury from the Deep, Macro Terra, um, The Sea Devils, like, just all these bad compositions. That, all these ocean-related creatures. Yeah, <laughs> and I hadn't picked up on it when I was a kid when I saw it for the first time, because I, you know, hadn't seen those other episodes. But, um, still haven't. <laughs> um, first off, I thought the music was fantastic. I, I, I love that music. I, I actually love the music in all three of our stories that we're talking about today. I really thought the music added a lot to it. I don't like the unit music that much, but whatever. But I, I love that because it, it's something that's identifiable. As soon as I hear that music, I know what episode's from. Most of the music from Doctor Who, especially in the classic era, you can't when you say thing with Tom Baker. You can't identify what's what. It all sounds the same to me. But you know, you get those soundtracks that they came out with, and you start listening to it. And it's like, oh my god, this is horrible. But that, like the Sea Devil music and some of the other, they're very identifiable to the episode. But um, see, and I thought you would have had a problem with it because that was the one thing that I noticed. I'm like, the music is getting really loud, and I can't hear what they're saying. And also, you were talking about the pace and how slow it was. I mean, the shots in in the capsules, you know, the model shots, uh, it's just so slow. They use this, like, classical music, because yeah. they're trying to, like, rip off uh, 2001. Yeah, huh. definitely. And they're pretty close, for special effects-wise, to 2001. Mm -hmm. The models shaped a little bit. When I started watching this episode again, I, I thought I was going to be like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough one, because I, I do like it a lot. I remember liking it a lot uh, when I first saw it, and I thought maybe I would start to not like it as much. But one of the things that it did, and I picked up on very early on, and I really thought was pretty fantastic, was the direction and the cameras that they did, the camera angles and everything that they did in this episode made it so much punchier, especially in the first couple of episodes. The editing when um, 
when they when they started hearing that sound coming from the the um, from, from the Mar yeah. from the Martians, whatever you know those ambassadors, the, the space captain. They they thing. cut really quick to a bunch of different people close up, and then there's another one. There's a cliffhanger where they actually have a gun, and they they clip from a wide shot of them holding a gun to a close up of one person, a close up of another person, a close up of the gun pointing the camera, and boom, there is a cliffhanger. The, the the direction was really fantastic. I thought maybe not through the whole thing, but definitely at the start, and. I really was impressed because I, I looked for technical things like that. There's a, the set was on a raised set, so up on the ramp when they were uh, on the uh, ledge when they were doing the um, that horrible overhead thing that was moving around the map. The CSO thing. I don't know. It was on the CSO. It was when they were mapping things out. It looked like more like a, a stationary prop. They were down lower, so it, it just had a lot of depth to it. And I thought the set was really good. Um, but there was a lot of good stuff in this, I thought, and was it too long? Yeah, there's a guy talking on the phone for half the episode, you know, if they ever made a fa action figure of that Regan character, they should add with a desk and a phone and a piece of paper to write on, because that's what he did a lot of that. Yeah. And I remember making fun of that when I first saw it, and, uh, you know. Yeah, when I, when this first aired in the 80s when I was, when I was younger, um, it, I wasn't, you know, a huge fan but now as an adult, like, I appreciate the story more. You know, I just, for me, it was, like, slow, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, the, they didn't really show the monsters, the creatures, uh, that often. Um, but now, now I like it a lot more than I did. And also, it was in black and white when I first saw it. Yeah. And it makes a difference seeing it in color. It does. I, I think I was disappointed when I saw it in color, because when it's in black and white, when the, when the astronauts, I like, the imagery of an astronaut walking around where you can't see his face. I like how you, 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 they don't reveal the monster. I like all that. And it was creepier in black and be, white. Yeah, it was. And then the, the, the lighting of the sun coming down. and Yeah. And the fogged up visors on the yeah. I thought they were going to be Vashti Narada. Yeah. yeah, and that was another thing um, that reminded me, like, you know, the, the spacesuit that's been used in the new series with uh, the, the Vashti Narada and um, the, the impossible astronaut. Yeah. So and I like that imagery. Um, I thought you know, but and there's other episodes from John Pertwee like the Damons that I thought were fantastic in black and white. And when we saw them in color, it's like oh okay, like the the green screen stuff, the blue screen that they do looks better in black and white because yeah. you know. But when you see it in color, it's like you know, they're blue. Yeah, yeah it's blue aliens. Yeah, the version that I was watching kept fading in and out of color in black and white. Yeah. It was really bizarre. And kind of distracting. Well, they colorized it. They used that uh, yeah. dot thing. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. Like I don't know where this version came from, because sometimes it was black and white. Sometimes just he was in color. Sometimes just the girl was in color because she was wearing pink. And I remember that showing up. In she was wearing a pink dress with white. I I, I, I do know that for many 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 years, the only color version you could find of some of these episodes was a bootleg. VHS copy that someone made in America because those some of those Pertwee episodes did make it over here in America, yeah. and they were horrible VHS copies. I don't know how the no, quality, the quality was, was good on this. So I, I, don't I think know what, what you looked at was this chroma key, maybe. The chroma dot thing that they do, and it just doesn't have the punchy. No, color. it wasn't bright. It was almost like watercolor, watercolor yeah. kind yeah. of color. But it was, but it was strange how it was like fading in and out. Yeah, and I don't know what that. Sometimes is. it was completely black and white. I yeah. think it depends on what they had in the background. If there's a if there's a lot of silvers and whites and 
blacks in the background and they don't emphasize the color as much. They they use color that exists, so if there's something that the quality... And it was it, always in the control room where it would go all black and white. Yeah, they which, didn't bother. Which was probably all silver yeah. and black. I yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's very apparent and noticeable, but I know that, you know, technically, I'm sure they did the best they could with yeah. what they had to work yeah. with, and, you know, it's amazing that they're able to, to discover that there's color information in a black and white print still yeah. remaining from when it was amazing. transferred. I think another problem I had with this is that I couldn't tell the characters apart. They all looked the same to me. Well, the, you mean the the ambassador? I couldn't tell no, <laughs> the difference between the good guys and the bad guys. You know, even yeah. once you knew really who the bad guys were and who the good guys were, the only person besides the doctor and his companion that I could recognize was was the brigadier. You know, everybody else was like, "There's a dude in a trench coat with a mustache," and <laughs> I don't know who he is. Did you notice how wimpy the unit soldiers were? Oh, well, when they of, died, when they kept getting shot. Yeah. I'm like, and then they that dropped the gun. Then the, yeah, in the big warehouse. I'm like, really? They're getting their butts kicked? One like, of those guys, he must have died at least six times in an episode. <laughs> yeah. they would, I was, he was a unit was, soldier. He was the bad guy. He was a, a guard. Yep. And then there was that guard that got, he was... There was well, a he, he was electrocuted. The, the, yeah. the next episode, he's some, sitting, you know, at the... Another gate again. or something. And, and like, so maybe it was all the same I don't know guys. if it was the same gate, but the security has to get beefed up at these gates because they let these guys back and forth in, in various gates. Oh, yeah. And I was... <laughs> you know, how many deliveries of bread do you need in a research station? You know, it was like that, that bread van was well, going they, back they and forth. Well, you know, they, they didn't like their beans and toast, so... Well, no, no one ever gave a second thought, like, oh, go on ahead, you know? One, one of my favorite villains is Regan. He's the guy on the phone. He is like the MacGyver of villains. He he goes in and he does all the dirty work. He goes in and he does all the sabotage. Oh, yeah. He, he like, has a backdoor pass to this installation where he kept going in and... You know, he, and they spent a lot of time with him, like taking tubes out, yeah. putting them down, and well, like it, the, the, for the to sabotage the rocket. Yeah, that launch pad looked more like an oil refinery. Yeah. You know, it's like what you know, what and space station has you know all these valves. And, and, and the first time he goes in, he takes out like seven people or something like that. He's yeah. like a superhero or super villain or whatever. And then the next time he goes in, no one's around. Like they must see him and go, "Ah, that is that guy again." But he. He, he goes in the gravel pit and he kicks the yeah. ground down. I mean, he's just that was such really, a hands-on villain. You that know, was really like, dark, though. Yeah. Like, that, like... Because yeah, they died from the radiation, so he had dumped the bodies. Yeah. Um, another thing, I, you know, while we're on that subject is uh, no, the whole, like, dishrag unit behavior. I mean, um, every time, you know, in from the command center, they'd be like, get on the phone, tell them not to let this person pass. And then... The, you know, the connection between the headquarters and the front gate, there was like some sort of delay on the phone because, you know, oh, I just let, I just let them go. You know, they lift up the That's gate and the person, the person they're supposed to like stop from escaping, like, they're like, okay, see ya. My, one, of my, favorite, my, one of my favorite Doctor Who deaths of all time is in this episode. Cyril Shaps. Well, yeah, when he, the, opens, the, the, um, he opens up the dinner thing and there's the ice stove, he's like, ah! <laughs> I yeah. love that. that Who's in two so of the Cyrum? He was also Planet of Spiders. Planet of Spiders <laughs> and Andrews of Terra. Wasn't he? Is Andrews Terra the one that he, that he aged to death? Was that the one? He was, he was in. No, that was Planet. Uh, was he in the episode? City of Death. City of Death. Was he in that too? Yeah. He that was, was him, right? No, no, that's not him. No, that's oh, another okay. guy. That was. Um, oh, that was. Oh, he was in a lot. That, that was um, that was the nutty professor. Yeah. He was in a lot of 
<laughs> he's he's the David Graham, I think. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I'm, so um, nice to talk. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought there was a lot of uh, the companion and the doctor are separated through ninety percent of this episode. Um, I think there was a lot of stretching out, but I thought there was so much going on that it kept my attention, and I. Um, I was very, very, very tired when I was watching this episode, and um, but I managed to stay awake through it. <laughs> I don't know how. And uh, Carolyn John was pregnant at the time, and mm -hmm. she was doing a lot of running. Yeah. You, or was that just a myth? No, it's true. It's true. I that she know. was running? No, that she was pregnant because mm -hmm. I don't. She always said she wasn't. That's not the reason why she left the show. Was not well, was I, I I watched the making of and and you know. I think they got rid of her. I don't think. I think the idea of her pregnant might have. Maybe she was, but I don't think that was necessarily the reason. Yeah, that wasn't the reason for, for <clears throat> letting her go. Um, it was because she was too intelligent. They needed someone for the the audience to relate to. Oh, see, and that's why I liked her. She wasn't a shrieking female. Yeah, a lot of she, people do. I mean, she never got a chance to ride in the TARDIS. She never met the Daleks. So, yeah. Oh, so this is after the TARDIS has been grounded? Yeah. How long is the TARDIS grounded for? Three seasons, at least. Because it's through Tom Baker is grounded, too, right? No. 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 I, I thought he was stuck at UNIT. No, no, he, uh, it was just in the part we... He was just always visiting UNIT. Yeah. You know, he was still trying to save the cost of going to other planets, but, um... He visited UNIT, but he wasn't, there wasn't too many episodes where he was with the UNIT, though. Tom oh, the Baker. one I saw with the, the walking leaf monsters, I can't remember what it was, but... Seeds of death. Doom. Seeds of doom. I don't know, I mean, maybe... He, he was, was at UNIT then. Maybe he was stuck at that one point, but, I mean, it was Pertwee where he actually had the whole TARDIS taken apart while we saw it in this one, where he had the, the console. Yeah, Is that what was going on? With why the, would he take the console out of the TARDIS to work on it? It just... It, didn't make any sense. How did it fit Was it in a living room? Because there was like a fireplace with little china bric-a-brac. Oh, it's in, a, it's in a living room, and then and it's in a and in the next in episode it's in the garage, and then it's in a workshop. <laughs> or they call it a hut. It's very yeah. portable. Well, when, you know, this child, when she was running away, she was able to flip over. Oh, that was a stunt person. Right, and be able to keep her hat. Because yeah, when you yeah. see her in the next scene, she's being walking, she still has her hat. <laughs> so she didn't lose her hat or anything. I was just like, wow, that's impressive. She flipped over, but kept her hat on. One of the, one of the <laughs> things I also liked about the uh, control room for the... Um, they're, they're, the cliff, okay, so the cliffhangers in this show range from the, one of the, some of the worst in Doctor Who history to a couple of really good ones, like the pulling the gun on him. Um, the, the one where he, you know... Right, cut it open. It's yeah. the horrible. Uh, but we got the. Uh, the How many beans make five? Yeah. <laughs> it was a really bad cliffhanger. There was another one that was not that good either. But um, I noticed they did this in the early episodes, especially, where there's two people talking. You actually hear other people talking over other people. And I thought that was really refreshing because that's what you would, you would see for real. It's not like everyone just stops and listens as some, two people are talking. There's actually, you can hear stuff going on, and it, it maybe is almost hard to hear what's going on because you have two conversations, but I thought that was really a kind of a neat... Whoever, you know, I don't know who directed this, Oh, um. but someone came up with the idea of making it more of a natural setting, which I thought was, was really good. Yeah. Michael Ferguson. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the intros where... You know, you see the Doctor Who titles, and then it goes into the story, and then it's sort of like a mini cliffhanger where 
titles come back on again with the name of the story. I think it was the ambassadors, and he goes, Death <laughs> of Death. I didn't like yeah. it. I, I thought that was kind of stupid. But I think that's the only time they've ever done that, I think. Yeah. So, I like that they didn't... I mean, all the other multi-part episodes that I've seen in Classic Who, they spend the first three minutes basically re-showing you what happened in the last three minutes of the previous episode. This one, it was like ten seconds. Yeah. It would depend on who was directing it, and also depend on their total runtime, and when they had a low runtime. I mean, there's a couple episodes where it's it feels like it's four or five minutes, and it's like, wow, they're going that far back. And sometimes, I think in this, I'm not positive, and sometimes they wouldn't, it wouldn't, you're not, you're not watching the actual thing, you're watching them do it again. Like, mm-hmm. like they do it over again, so it's a little bit different. I think they did that, and I may be wrong, but I think, especially in this one, there was a, it almost looked like a different take. Yeah, it was they a little do bit, that sometimes, yeah. instead of just well, they like, did that they, they, because they would re-record the next week. Like, it yeah. was, for some, it was more cost-efficient to just get all the actors in there and reprise that scene. And so, you know, you'll see the end of one episode, the beginning of the next episode, and it's the same dialogue and everything, but it looks a little bit different. Yeah. Um, that happened a lot in the Troughton stories. Mm-hmm. Because they filmed it every week. It's not like they went on location and stuff that much. Yeah. Um, I, read my notes. I noticed a little, uh, uh, just a little bit of trivia. Um, when, when John Pertwee was in the space capsule, um, you know that the cameraman or the director only just turned it sideways because he's sitting in the chair, like with his, you know, on his back with his face towards the ceiling, and in his lap he's got a clipboard, and he, you know, he's moving his hands, and the clipboard is still, you know, stuck to his. Uh, it was magnetized. Oh. See. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. It would be floating around. Yeah. No, okay. So. If you let go of it, you know. So. There was. Um, but he was on the launch pad. He wasn't in. Space at that time when he you see the clipboard, but but he was like it was like he was like yeah because when you're that, yeah because when you're launching off so the clipboard would backwards slide backwards. down into your lap or fall, fall against off. your chest it was a magic clipboard okay <laughs> the clip it was a yeah well I'm glad they they made efforts to make it look like it was weightless that the first guy they the, they're he's obviously down. walking on the ceiling there or whatever yeah. At least they did that. They, they they didn't have to, and there's so many other shows that wouldn't have. But yeah, I, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, and, and I like the communication back and forth, and, and I thought there was a lot of tension. You, you know, there's a lot of slow moments, but I thought there was a lot of tension with the music and with what how people. Again, I think this was one of the other things where I thought people did a really good job with, with some of this. Um, so, what do you think of the aliens? How, I mean, how they looked, like the the guy in the go- the, the ace bandages. They looked better in black and white. I'll say yeah, that. I, I liked the voices, and it reminded me a lot, like, I think it's the same, you know, like, modulator yeah. that they used for, um... Protons or something? Uh, no, in the, um, Curse of, uh, Curse of Peladon, no. Yeah. Curse of Peladon. Curse of Peladon, that Octurus. Yeah. That little... Yeah, it wasn't much, it was kind of... It looked like a, like a space mummy, and he would just go like that. And then he had like the Venetian blinds. Yeah. And it was like really hard to see. So that kind of that was kind of a bummer because I thought it was the creature design. You don't really know if it's good or not because you looked, can't really well, see. Well, you it. see the head one. It looked better when he took his. There was one scene, yeah, when they were uh, in the quarantine thing. That, that was the other example when they she first when they first opened up his mask or whatever. Yeah. You see that really cool 
like zoom in on Liz Shaw and they cut zoom in. It was really. Yeah. I'm glad they did stuff like that because yeah. it really. And maybe they do it because it's like, boy, this episode sucks. Let's try to make. Let's try to <laughs> save it and. Um, it's not post because they do it live, but let's try to save it by having weird camera angles and stuff. Yeah. And uh, people were exposed to a lot of radiation in this story, and it's just so far-fetched. You know, it's like, oh, they'll put some gloves on, and they're okay. Or a little know? mask and a little thing, yeah. face shield. Um, there was a shout-out to our state that we yes, lived in. Yes, yes, in episode two, Massachusetts. I, I, I wrote that down. I was going to mention that. Massachusetts. <laughs> Because there's no of all the states anywhere. to pick from, they pick the one that's yeah. the most you're, difficult to pronounce. You hear a lot of Boston, like when yeah, in, in England, we got you hear a lot of Boston stuff, like references yeah. to Boston. Like a mm -hmm. lot of characters, you know, went to college in Boston for some reason. And the Jerry Anderson stuff is a lot of characters. Yeah. But whenever they say, oh, go ahead. But they say Boston, they never say Massachusetts. Whenever they say Cambridge, I think, oh, Cambridge, Mass. And then no. Like, no, it's Cambridge, England. <laughs> but um. I, I just wanted to bring up one other point, uh, that this story had at least three actors who have been in several Doctor Who stories. There's General Carrington, who was John Abenary. He was in uh, Fury from the Deep, Death to the Daleks, um, Ambassador's Death, and Power of Crawl. And then there's Cyril Shafts, who was in Two of the Cybermen, uh, Ambassador's Death, uh, Planet, Planet Spiders and Andrew's Terra. Michael Wisher, who was in six stories, and we all know who Michael Wisher, his most famous character is. Nope. <laughs> the guy he was the first Davros. Revenge of the Cybermen that gets killed? No, 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 he was the first Davros. No, 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 <laughs> um, and they also did, they don't do this very often, but it was like broke the fourth wall where he was being a reporter and he's talking directly to you. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that never really happened very much. But, but the um, I, I thought this was interesting. The the the, the I, I I'm paying attention to the women that are in this episode the series, the space women there because, and one of them at one point there's like a couple of different ones and then they must only get paid for a couple of episodes because they get new ones. Yeah. So there's ones looking right at the camera. Yeah. And when she's making the and um. Again, they're trying to do something different. Like she's, I don't know what she's, who she's not. She's not talking to us. Yeah. So is she looking at a screen or whatever? It was kind of an interesting camera angle, but um, and that was it. They didn't go with another angle. And I don't think, you know, just yeah. kind of weird. And in that scene with that actress, it, like there was some tension, like so, like something was going to happen, like an explosion, or I, I can't re remember. But she was so calm. She was talking about it, like like she just couldn't care less, you know, <laughs> that somebody was going to be harmed or so. My favorite character is Regan. I, 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 that's an exaggeration, but my favorite scene is when he leaves and the doctor walks over to. You can hear the door close, and the doctor walks over the stairs, and he's standing at the top of the stairs. Like, I just like that. I like when villains are like trying. You know, of course she's going to try to come up the stairs, so I'll just stand here and wait for him to. You know, you know. I, I just, yeah. I just like that. I thought he was really a good character and. He had a couple of different sides to him. He was not completely evil. You know, he was killing people, but then he was like, well, maybe the doctor will be able to help us and stuff. And you mentioned that you couldn't tell the difference between good guys and bad guys. Part of that is because they kind of, we don't know, because the, there's so the many. The men were reused over well, and over again. Well, that too. That was bad. 
There was a, there was a large body count in this one. I don't yeah. even know how. I didn't even. I lost track. But I had forgotten how much unit action was in this. Is this the first one with Benton, or was he in the Silurians? Well, he was in um, the Invasion. Oh, that's right. But was this the first one for his return? I don't know. I don't remember. It might be. He wasn't in it that much. Also, one of the unit officers in Episode 7 was shown for just a brief second, but that was Jeffrey Beavers, who played the master in The Keeper of Tracken, and, and he was also the husband of Carolyn John, Liz Shaw. So, a little bit of trivia there. <laughs> oh, good. Glad you have that. That's helpful. We also placed the master in for Big Finish, too. Yeah. 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 The, um... He also narrates for some of the audiobooks. They obviously had paid, it was Havoc? Yes. Okay, they had paid Havoc, who's the stunt company, to do as much stunts as possible. I had forgotten about all, and this is another reason why I thought this episode was better paced than I remember, because there was quite a few bit of action. Maybe the action's not as dynamic as we <laughs> would hope, but I, I, it had some good moments. I mean, it looked like it was from something from Police Squad, where they were shooting at each other from like five feet, you know, distance. You go, know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and it's like, you know, try not to kill anyone, and within seconds, there's, like, bodies everywhere. Yeah, the guy's like, ah, the first one, I'm like, man, he goes up to the, the box, whatever, he's, like, just about to shoot, and so he's, like, falling backwards. Yeah. <laughs> that one guy, the guy with the black short hair, I can't remember the stuntman's name. If someone told me, I would recognize it. It's not Terry Walsh. Terry Walsh was the execution guy. Got <laughs> right, I know who you're talking <laughs> about. So, maybe... Stuart Fell, maybe? I'm not sure if that was him or not, but he, he played like eight different characters and he got killed. Every, and, yep. and I get it, but, you know, it, it gets ridiculous when they have so many people getting killed and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> um, it's funny. It was neat that the, the bread milk truck van changed the, <laughs> oh, the yeah. cover. Of, it went from milk to yeah. bread. And it was like... It was laundry. How did it or laundry, that? whatever. Yeah, How like a hologram or whatever. And the license plate went flip. Yeah. You'll never know that I was in the the gravel pit because I changed from milk to laundry. <laughs> and there was a whole outdoor battle scene too. I forget, oh, forgot yeah. about was it, they have the helicopters and the motorcycles and yeah, there's they, a lot in this episode. But they had I think they did a good job filling it up. They even used though, ray guns, but then they go back to regular guns. Ray guns? Yeah, remember they were using like those stun guns type <laughs> thing. Were they ray guns? They had tanks on their backs. Yeah, so it was like a gas thing. And it was never yeah. really explained. Yeah. Nothing happened. They pointed the them, and shot. people fell over, but there was nothing coming out of the gun. Yeah, I don't remember much that's, of that. that's <laughs> traditional in Doctor Who to have guns that, you know, they don't have the visual effects. Well, unlike the, the war machines where they had a lot of smoke. Oh, yeah, fire <laughs> extinguishers and stuff. <laughs> what one, and this is a picky thing, but you notice it in these Pertwee episodes and the Tom Baker episodes, when you have video, when you're, when you're being videoed, in a studio, or whatever, and you pull out a gun, you fire it. It wrecks havoc with the oh, video. Makes all oh, those yeah, lines. the lines go through. Because in, in one episode, when during that first battle, that's filmed. So when they shoot, you don't see it. But then later on, they're inside, and he takes the gun out. And it's like no, what poof, is it gets hurt by that a lot. Is case of Androzani. Yeah. yeah, and there's no they. The restoration team said there, that there's really nothing, nothing you can do about no. it because it's ingrained in the film. I like one of my favorite scenes is in this part is when. The doctor shows up at the at the space control. And he's just like telling people yeah. off left and right. Listen to me, you idiot! They're gonna <laughs> signal again and blah blah blah. And it's a, and it's the, a message, and all of a sudden it happened. And Breer's like, "Hey, come on, this guy's." I like the controller, the actor, um, Ronald. 
The guy who played the controller, I, I like him too. He's been in a few couple. Of, I don't. He, I don't know if he's been in other Doctor episodes, but he, you know, I like him as an actor. I've seen him in some other stuff. And also, another bit of trivia: the guy who did the voice for the aliens. Oh, you mean Ronald Allen? Ronald Allen. Yeah. yeah. Was he another? He was in something else. I don't right? know. He's he's from, he's been in probably a lot. Yeah, he's looked familiar. Probably. Um, the guy who did the voice of the aliens was Peter Halliday, who was also he played Packard in the invasion. And then he was in Carnival of Monsters, Remembrance of the Daleks. He did the voices for the Silurians. Uh, he was in City of Death. Now I have a question for you. Yes. All those rest of those characters, you had to look at a piece of paper, but that one you pretty much knew everything. How do you know so much about that guy? <laughs> I stalked. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm like OCD when it comes okay. to like. Um, That's fine. Ex I you know, fine. actors that have been in multiple yeah. stories. I, don't ask me where it comes from. They look familiar to me, but I, I very rarely ever remember what characters yeah. they've been in what. But I mean, all this stuff went over my head when I was a kid, but now I'm like... Uh, I was just, never a kid watching Doctor Who. <laughs> no, you weren't. No. I, I was, was already an uh, adult. Well, I first started it when I was 10. I was 10, yeah. Well, I was in high school, so... Like we said, you're old. Well, I watched I watched Doctor Who in high school too. So well, I know I did too until 24. It was tough in college watching Doctor Who. It was really tough. Yeah. I, I remember I had a little black and white TV and I was watching. Um, well, at home? No, at, at, at in the dorm. You actually stayed at UMass? Yeah, for a while until they kicked you out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I had a black and white TV there, and watching Warriors Gate was really weird because oh, that must have been horrible in black and white. Well, yeah, because I didn't know anything, and then later on when I watched it, I'm like, oh wait a minute, part of it isn't black and white because. They <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I never uh, talk about black and white and everything. Yeah. This one would have been better in black and white. Now I think about it. It was a lot creepier. I, I think there was, you know, I think it's a joke. I'm joking a little bit, but I think it was. I think the Damons is much better in black and white. Because this mostly because when they when they do the CSO and stuff, it just looks horrible. It yeah. looks worse in color. I shouldn't say it's much better in black and white. But it's I, I liked a lot of the the '60s era black and white stories. Yeah, so it kind of carries over into the the '70s. Um, by seeing it in black and white, so this one is hard to watch in one sitting. But I remember when you watched it. Well, not for you because you love it. I, I but, don't. Know, I just love it. But, but back in the day when Twenty Four had it, you watch or Fifty Seven, and you watched it every day. Yeah, it's a lot easier to watch because then you're not like, oh, here we go. Yeah. part four. That's what I did uh, researching for this. I, I watched one episode a night. Well. Or watch it one a week, one a week like they did when they first aired it. I, mean, well, I can't wait that long. Well, yeah, I, I mean, well, then it doesn't feel like it's so dragged out because yeah. it's like once a week. And that's why they can repeat things a lot because you know that was like four weeks ago that that happened, so we can do it again. And you know, if we get captured and escape and capture and escape, yeah, and then have to remember which you guy got killed. Yeah. One of the unit soldiers was killed in episode two. That's right, and then he's. At the guard post again in episode seven. Yeah, people aren't going to remember that so quick and stuff like that. So that's yeah. why it's it's a different experience watching it in movie format or one, you know, even one a day or whatever. It's a completely different thing. That's why I, I feel if they ever find or animate the Dalek Master Plan, it's probably boring as hell because it's twelve episodes and it was supposed to be every week. 
Yeah, but and there's a lot there of change. There's a change in where it is. It's not in one location. I Marco can, Polo might be one that's yeah, kind of tough, tough to get. I can there. actually watch the war games in one thing because I, I, I just like I like that one. Yeah, that one's that one's fun to watch. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like ten episodes. Like no, I, I'm just like it's over already. It's ten episodes. Strange. Maybe that'll be our next one. No, we got the no, no, no. We got wait on that one. Okay. Um, yeah, we more or less all liked it. <laughs> well, kind of, except yeah. for. Thumbs up. The one who said this sucks and turned it off. <laughs> I did not say it sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, that means it's thumbs up then. Okay, thanks for listening. <laughs>